Today, I wanted to go into some more detail about a model that we've talked about in the past called the good enough sex model. And uh, I specifically want to talk about a component within this model that uh, highlights what the research says concerning the quality of sexual encounters that marital couples have. You know, are, are couples generally having amazing sex? Are they having mediocre sex or uh, dysfunctional sex? And a lot of couples wonder this. Like, on average, are couples having amazing sex? And if so, how much of the time are they having amazing sex? Or are they just having okay sex or uh, maintenance sex? And if so, is that all the time? Is that 90% of the time? Is that is that you know, under under 1% of the time, how often um, are they having mediocre or dysfunctional sex? And so this function of the good enough sex model by Michael Metz and Barry McCarthy really highlights uh, this, this marital sexual quality. And I'm going to be citing uh, the good enough sex model, Metz and McCarthy, as well as some research specifically uh, highlighted uh, by the good enough sex model on this this sexual quality. And this is research from uh, Lawman, Gagnon, Michaels, and Michael, as well as Frank Anderson and Rubenstein. And uh, what the research shows, those couples that are having, let's say, uh, very good, very good quality, amazing sex for both of them, swinging from the chandeliers or you know just over the moon sex, uh, they're having this kind of sex, twenty to twenty five percent of the time. So just a little under or at a quarter of the the time that they're having sex, it's very good quality. It's swinging from the chandeliers sort of sort of quality sex for both of them, both partners. So what about sex when it's it's good? It's not over the moon, it's not swinging from the chandeliers, but it's good quality for both of them or good for one of them. So couples report that this happens 40 to 60% of the time. 40 to 60% of the time, it's good quality for at least one, one of them. That's, that's the majority of the time it's going to be good. Not over the moon, not dysfunctional, not okay, or, um, or, or insignificant, but, but good. It's going to be good. And I'd, I'd consider this um, kind of like, uh, I would say like maintenance sex, where if most of the time you're having sex, it's uh, helping you to feel bonded, connected, physically, physiologically enjoyable. Um, and obviously we know sex is important in a couple relationship. I'd consider that uh, you know maintenance sex, not like routine sex that um, is boring and um, lacks creativity, um, but but kind of the sex that most couples need to be having on a regular, consistent basis. Okay, then the, the next category, we've got two more categories. The next one is sex that's considered okay or not remarkable. So it's just, it's just okay. That was, that was all right, or nothing to write home about, nothing to be thinking about tomorrow and uh, you know, anticipating more of that in the future, uh, but just, just okay sex. And this happens for, for marital couples 15 to 20% of the time. 15 to 20% of the time, it's not remarkable. 
It's just okay. And then the last category of uh, marital sex, the quality of marital sex, where it's considered mediocre uh, and could even be considered uh, dysfunctional or at times uh, it's, it's dysfunctional sex. How often does this happen? And the research shows that that happens one to 15% of the time where sex is just mediocre, where it's, it's dysfunctional. So if you have sex um, and, uh, you know, every once in a while you're like, oh, that wasn't so great. Or, um, you know, I'm not really, I'm, I'm, I'm not really loving that. That wasn't very enjoyable. Um, you know, maybe you feel bonded because it was sex, but uh, you're like, that was, that was kind of, uh, that that was kind of unpleasant or maybe that kind of hurt or it was a little um you know I, maybe someone wasn't able to have an orgasm uh or struggled with getting an erection or maintaining an erection uh the good news is that couples that consider themselves satisfied couples by all intents and purposes are satisfied couples report that 1 to 15 15% of the time that happens. It's dysfunctional. You know, maybe orgasm can't ha- happen. Maybe intercourse can't ha- happen. Maybe it's uncomfortable or painful or just just mediocre. Like meh. Uh, that happens for these couples that are that are satisfied couples. One to fifteen percent of the time. So. Um, I think that's really promising for so many people, uh, especially in the line of work that we do at Covenant Sex Therapy. We have a decent amount of people that come in and some people, uh, you know, to, to be frank, are a little worried or concerned um, that uh, every once in a while, not often, but every once in a while, uh, they can't get an erection or maintain an erection or can't have an orgasm or are, aren't experiencing much uh, physiological arousal or psychological arousal. Um, you know, and, and while those things are important for us to to be mindful of, to think about, um, to maybe to to maybe address, um, some of the time it's just kind of in that bag of the type of sex, the quality of sex that marital couples have. Now, if that's happening pretty regularly, you know, over that fifteen percent of the time, or maybe even for some people, fifteen percent of the time, and you're like, okay, this is this is fairly common that this happens to us, to me, um, to to my partner. Um, then that that could be a time that uh, you really look at going and meeting with a sex therapist and um, and and addressing maybe some uh, deeper causes or processes that are in place within the relationship that give rise to some of these uh, concerns. To, to some of these sexual dysfunctions. Um, so I, I, I wanted to make everyone clear of this because as a, as a sex therapist, this is something that couples uh, ask. This is something that people ask. This is something that, you know, people that are not clients ask. You know, I, I just talk to people, whether that's at, you know, teaching, teaching at UVU or in the past at BYU or, um, you know, people that I come in contact with that hear about what, what I do um, will ask me, you know, uh, how often are people having sex is one of the things they ask, and uh, what's the quality like is what people wonder. Now, 
I think it's important to have a good gauge. I think this is a good uh, general gauge to be looking at. But each couple relationship is unique and different, just like we are all unique and different sons and daughters of God. Um, there's there's so many different um, variations of a son and daughter of God, and just like there's so many different versions of 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 His children, um, there are that many or more versions of marital sexual relationships and marital relationships. And so, um, you know, maybe you're really happy with uh, what your sex life looks like. Maybe your partner's really happy with what your sex life looks like as well. But maybe you fall outside of that, let's say, 1% to 15% of the time it's mediocre or dysfunctional sex. Maybe that's closer to 20% of the time, but it's really not affecting the two of you. And you're really pretty satisfied with the frequency of sex, uh, with the frequency of uh, mediocre sex, um, and, and all those, those other categories. Then there's no reason to be concerned. Just because this is what the research is showing, just because generally these are the categories of uh, sexual quality, does not mean that if you fall outside of this, uh, that you should be concerned. You know, if you're over the moon hanging from the chandelier, sex is only 15% of the time, 10% of the time, or 5% of the time, and before this, you weren't concerned about it at all, then it's not an issue. It's a non-issue. But... If, if you've kind of been wondering, geez, we do, our, our sex life is just kind of just, just mediocre or just meh, then, um, and, and this kind of illuminates uh, uh, your, your mind as to uh, maybe what you might be missing out on or kind of confirms that, yeah, uh, you know, this dysfunctional sex shouldn't be happening this op- often or your, your good quality and your very good quality of sex is, is kind of low. It kind of maybe confirms some of your concerns, then, then it's time to address that. Uh, together, uh, through, through uh, going to Heavenly Father, through uh, reading and educating yourselves, through going to therapy. Um, okay, I wanted to give two examples of how this has impacted people that I have known across time. And one of them is an individual that came in, a uh, pretty young individual, uh, newlywed person. Um, he came in and was concerned with some uh, er- erectile dysfunction. And uh, all, all of this is de-identified. There's no way in the world you'd know who this, this person is or these people are that I'm going to be talking about. Um, everything is, is um, like I said, de-identified. Uh, so this individual came in and, and he was struggling with erectile dysfunction is what he said. And as we got to, to talking um, and, and I talked about uh, some of the stats, some of the research about uh, mediocre and dysfunctional sex and, and found out about uh, some of the uh, stress that he was under and experiencing and the expectations that he had for himself as uh, a young, healthy uh, man uh, that's, a, that's a newlywed, um, it became really evident and clear that this quote-unquote dysfunctional sex, this quote-unquote erectile dysfunction uh, was not really an issue or concern. Um, and so 
Um, I communicated that to him and talked about the context in which uh, he's been engaging in sex uh, with, under all this distress, uh, with all these myths and perceptions about uh, masculinity and male sexuality, and uh, it, it really put his mind at ease um, and kind of corrected some of these these myths myths that exist out there for for men and their sexuality, and. Uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, he came back in. A couple of weeks later, after that, he came back in. We kind of met every every couple of weeks, and um, over the period of about two months, uh, his his sexual quality and sexual um, you could say sexual performance changed dramatically. And so much of this was related to uh, this misconception about what his sexuality should should look like and how frequently he should be ha- having hanging from the chandelier sex. He's thinking, I'm this newlywed, every sexual encounter that I have, or I'm this, and I'm this healthy, uh, healthy man, every sexual encounter I should have should be hanging from the chandeliers sort of sex. And there shouldn't be any mediocre quality. There shouldn't be any dysfunction quality um, but but after uh, you know meeting several times and correcting some of those myths uh, he was really able to shift over his thinking uh, which ironically made it so that the pressure was off when he was having sex with his partner um, and being sexual with his partner so he, there were times when he could say hey I have a lot going on right now and um, you know I do want to be sexual but I'm really stressed with this stuff at work and there were other times that he could uh, just kind of roll with the the punches and say, yeah, I'm open to, to a sexual encounter. Um, my words, not his words. I'm open to a sexual encounter. Um, but he didn't put the pressure on himself to get an erection, to get an erection under a certain amount of time, um, and to have an orgasm during, during intercourse, uh, which ironically allowed for him to have all of those things happen and this to be, uh, no longer an issue. Uh, the other, the other, um, example that I wanted to give is a couple that I, I met with quite a while ago as well. And after, um, I actually referred them to to a book as as I was meeting with them. They said, you know, do you have some material that talks about these things we've been addressing in therapy? And I referred them to uh, Barry McCarthy's, one of his books uh, that talks about the good enough sex model. And I highlighted uh, this component of the good enough sex model with within this book. And uh, I, I remember it's been years, but I remember distinctly sitting there and talking to them about this. And um, they kind of leaned over to each other and, uh, you know, said some things as couples do that are kind of uh, hard hard to, to translate, you know, to pick up on um, unless you're, you know, within the relationship. Um, but later I was able to, to pick up on what they were saying um, and to, to, I guess to put the pieces together of what they were saying. Um, and so they came back a couple weeks. Uh, I think that they were meeting at this time every other week or every three weeks with me. And they came back in and they said, hey, we put we put to work this stuff uh, from the book and that we've been talking about. And I said, oh, yeah, what what specifically? And they, they referenced this piece of the good enough sex model. And they said, uh, you know, we, we were being sexual and the, the husband uh, said, um, you know, I, I, I had an erection. We were having intercourse. The erection uh, went went away. And this is this is a couple uh, that's uh, middle aged. Um, and uh, he said the, the erection went away, and we just kind of looked at each other, and and uh, said, "Oh, that's part of that one to fifteen percent of the time." 
and we just kept on messing around and having fun together and um, not didn't didn't let it affect us um, and it made for a really enjoyable sexual encounter one that we were just as pleased with as uh, times when that hasn't happened um, and in fact they, they said it led to uh, sooner sexual encounters happening where in the past if that had taken place or when that had taken place him losing his erection or not being able to sustain it for as long as he wanted to or as she wanted him to um, they they would have a long period of time um, that would be in between their sexual encounters um, and this made it really easy for them to say oh there was there's there's not really an issue or concern here. This is just what normal couples experience and they could roll with the punches and continue to have an enjoyable sexual encounter that time and not have it impact their overall sexual relationship. Um, so there's one other thing that I wanted to mention concerning this and then I will be done with this podcast. And this is that uh, that no couple, no individual um, should use this to manipulate sex or to have more sex um, than than their their spouse or partner wants. Uh, so um, my uh, concern in doing this this podcast and not being able to talk to a couple specifically about this is that somebody might look at these stats and say, okay, so forty to sixty percent of the time it's good quality for at least one partner. That means if my partner is not having fun, it's not good quality for them, um, that it's okay that we should still do this because that's what normal couples do. Healthy, satisfied married couples do. Or 15 to 20% of the time it's okay, uh, but not remarkable. And if my spouse or partner is saying it's okay or not remarkable, or it's even dysfunctional for them, or it's mediocre for them, that we should still continue to do this. So um, I give this information, this advice, um, with with uh, and pair it with this other advice that um, this should only be uh, the case if there's no uh, coercion. We should only engage in um, a quality of sex like this, um, and um, and. Uh, yeah, I guess engage in a quality of sex like this if we're not coercing or forcing or manipulating a spouse or partner um, into having more sex than they want to have or to having a, a type of sex that they want to have. Uh, so we need to make sure that we are always being respectful. We're, we're always getting the green light uh, from our partner and that we're concerned about their experience. That's it for today. Thank you.